Hey everyone, this is Carson Gibbons uh, for the weekly catch-up podcast number three with my good buddy Bradley Colvin. Hey guys, how's it going? B-Rad, how are you this week? Man, I'm doing great. I am unaware of what's been going on in the world. I know there's been some debates going on. <laughs> Um, that I, but You've been I've been off. out of the loop. I've been out of the loop. I've been busy. You've been on a, a sabbatical or what's been going oh, on? Oh man. You know, I had meetings last week. I was only in my classroom two out of five days and I was with my freshman over the weekend and we got back late Saturday night. And so I've just been, Where, where'd you guys up. go? We went to a freshman Bible camp where all of the schools in our conference, uh, come together with the freshmen and, you know, we just get together and do some worship and, uh, our kids. So the school that I'm from, it was our kids turn to lead out this year. And so they did a lot of the music throughout the week. So it was just uh, really busy. It was a lot of fun, but I've been playing catch up in the classroom. And um, so now I'm going to play catch up with you. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, so you were two out of the five days last week, you were out of the classroom and then three out of five, three out of the five. Where did you go uh, over the weekend precisely? Uh, like it was a ranch or yeah, like... we went to a camp about oh, okay. 40 miles out. Okay. Any, uh, fun outdoors activities or anything like that, or just mainly campfire type stuff? Um, they had a bunch of like team building activities and I was just making sure that none of the kids were running off. I wasn't in charge of those activities. I was just kind of facilitating and making sure that, uh, they didn't find themselves in any trouble. You're the man to do that. Yes, um, well, very cool. And then you went to, you had fair day with the kids on Monday, correct? Yeah, we had fair day and we were there for only like three hours. It was not enough time. Um, the best part of the fair, I went into that area where they have like the as seen on TV type of things that you can buy. And they had this massage chair. And let me tell you. It it, changed, this warranted a tweet, I, I remember. It changed my life. I sat in it, it like locks and wraps around your legs and you put your arms into the cushion and it clamps down on your arms and also gives you a nice arm and leg massage. It was amazing. Interesting. And the salesman, he just let us sit there for like 15, 20 minutes and didn't bother us, didn't ask us to purchase it once we were done. It was, it was everything I could have asked for. It was, it was amazing. Did you have freshman students with you during that time? Like, was he profiling based on your age at all? Um, so in order to use the equipment, you had to be at least 21 years of age. And with our school, we allow the kids to kind of roam free as long as... <laughs> I thought you were going to say that you were going to allow seniors to be 21. No, no. Uh, we allow the kids to go off on their own, like in large groups, and just check in with us at certain times. And so... I was off on my own with one of my coworkers, and so we just kind of sat down and tried to relieve some stress that is brought upon us by teaching. <laughs> by being at the fair with freshmen. <laughs> it, 100%. Well, very cool, man. Sounds like a, an eventful week. Uh, you've kind of been all over the Metroplex. Just quick clarifier for the podcast listeners, we're discussing the Texas State Fair. Both Brad and I are sitting in our, our Dallas, Texas studio right now. And this is where we do our podcast every Wednesday night. So that's right. I'm super excited, man, because this entire last week, I've been just trying to not text you about different ideas that I have for this podcast. I've and been... I still have no idea what you're planning. So I'm <laughs> eager to hear it. <laughs> well, this is podcast number three. And we had agreed. Let's talk about how we got into this a little okay. bit. Like, 
we were talking about having a, a discussion surrounding what type of podcast could we potentially see us doing in the future together. Right. And that session just turned into episode number one. We just <laughs> we just clicked record and, <laughs> and there it was. We just skipped the idea session and went straight for the actual recording. And, you know, if you go back and listen to episode number one, uh, you can you can hear us even say that we don't know where this train is going. Uh, we're right. excited to just be here along for the ride. And so I think in the last, you know, two, three weeks of this kind of gestating in my mind that we've come to this nice little rhythm and format of let's hook up every week, discuss, you know, what we've both been up to, see if we can't, you know, extrapolate larger ideas and concepts out of those, you know, shared experiences and catch up on some current events. Uh, just because I know that you're a, a news and rap junkie and that's right stand-up comedy and uh, different podcasts. So let's both nerd out once a week. And uh, the other piece of this is that, uh, so I went ahead and uploaded the audio of episode one to... I had no idea that he was going to be doing this. ...to Anchor. And I went full-fledged with, you know, syndication to the various platforms and, you know, getting the, the URL set up, naming yeah, the you, thing. You just went crazy with it. I just kind of skinned, you know, the brand overnight and sent it all to Brad. And he's like, great, can't <laughs> wait for recording number two, you know. And so we do recording number two, which I, I thought was really amazing. And, um, you know, I had accused Brad of kind of clamming up a little bit on that episode. You know, I, I thought bit. he was a little stiffer than episode one. And he said, <laughs> I'll tell it from my perspective. Oh, man. <laughs> what I heard. He said, well. You know, our first dry run, I thought that, you know, it was just going to be there. I didn't know that you were going to go ahead and just syndicate it like we were out there on, you know, the Apple right. podcast store and all of these different, all of these different items. And to which I retorted, you thought it was just going to float out into the ether. <laughs> Listen, I don't know what you had planned for it, but all I know is I woke up on a Sunday morning and all of a sudden you pressed record and I didn't think it was going to be on all streaming platforms right away. Well, I, I'm very excited about you know, kind of the uh, the collaboration that we have here with the podcast. I think that we have a lot of great things to catch up and discuss. Uh, but long story short, Brad made me promise that we would do three episodes prior to uh, letting, you know, kind of our, our general publics know that we were, you know, launching this new project. So yeah. up until now, there's only been, you know, vague tweets kind of alluding <laughs> to this and uh, no, no presence on Instagram or anything else. But, um, you know, we're actually going to go to market with this Podcast. Here we go, baby. So if you're listening to this episode, if you're a first time listener, uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, the podcast audio has hopefully dramatically improved week over week. <laughs> yes. We are using every nook and cranny of the studio <laughs> to find the best spot. He's not if you guys only knew. <laughs> One day we'll share this story. Yeah. <laughs> on the before. Oh my goodness. Uh, but a couple of quick housekeeping items. So in that spirit, we are going to be announcing the podcast um, on our social media channels. Uh, we would love it if you would go rate, subscribe, and leave a review on you know the favorite platform of your choice. We're on Stitcher, uh, Spotify, Breaker, um, Apple Podcasts. As of yesterday, we are now on YouTube, so uh, it's audio only. But I know for some of our friends that like to just have a YouTube window open whenever they're browsing at work, so that they can listen to a podcast, uh, even audio only. You can go just go search Weekly Catch Up Podcast on YouTube. And our first two episodes are posted, our third one will be posted later this evening. So we greatly appreciate all of that support, and uh, I'm just excited to be here because I it, this podcast is al almost helping me do better time management throughout the re rest of the week because 
this is a focal point where I know I'm going to be called, you know, to, you know, what have you been up to for the last week? Right. What's been going on? And how can you fill an hour? Usually our, our goal is an hour, maybe 90 minutes if we can. Uh, there's no, you know, format that we've agreed to in terms of uh, length, but you know, we'll, we'll keep talking until we're, until we're done for the day. Um, but yeah, I mean, expound on that. I mean, are you excited for kind of going to market and yeah, for me, I mean, if, if you know me, I'm a teacher and I teach English, so I'm in love with writing and reading and typically all of my ideas and everything that I want to express is more well thought out. And I feel like this podcast is just helping me have a conversation and um, helps me become a more story, a uh, better storyteller. And I'm looking forward to, you know, improving and, and seeing uh, where this could take us. I, we're highly accessible now. So like, comment, share, uh, if you feel so inclined, we're happy that you're listening. That, that's been a, an interesting observation of mine is kind of as a first time YouTube creator, a first time Apple podcast creator, like I've been featured on, you know, radio shows, on podcasts in the past, but I've never been the one that's actually, you know, producing the content and then syndicating it out to these various platforms. And Anchor makes it super easy to do all of this. Um, Apple, there's a little bit of manual finagling, but uh, really cool services that I've been able to kind of find just, you know, software as a service online for recording, for dicing up videos. Um you know, I know that we have future plans to potentially uh, do a live recording, a live video recording uh, of the show um, once we're in, you know, a future studio home. Uh, so there's a lot of different legs and, and different approaches for getting this content out there. But I was telling Brad in the, the pre-show, you know, I'm not artsy at all. Like I'm not a, an arts and crafts person. Um, when I had to cut out Santa Claus from the worksheet as a, a you know, a, a young third grader, I would just cut his feet off, cut his head off. I was terrible. I could not color inside the lines. And I'm not a designer or even a coder now. And I've always worked with these creative type people. So I've gotten a great sense of personal satisfaction from, you know, producing this podcast and putting something out there that, you know, it says episode one, episode two, like there's a wrap on that. And I I really get a lot of a sense of fulfillment from that. Communication is your arena. You excel in it. And I'm just happy to be here as your uh, podcasting partner. But you're you're a master communicator and you communicate with so many different types of people because, um, you know, for people that don't know Brad, I've seen him interact with these students and he can be Mr. Bad Guy when he needs to be and command that respect. But at all other times, he seems to be a total um, respected peer or elder, you know, big brother of most of these students, like they seem to hold him in very high regard. And even in our time in college, um, picture this, Brad was the only, you know, he was the solo white guy in the gospel (laughs) choir. Oh, yeah. And he just knew everybody on campus, regardless of, you know, skin, religion or creed. Yeah. um, People are my passion. And I love uh, interacting with them. It's just going to get I'm going to have to get used to sharing stories without getting a lot of feedback other than you in the room. Um, but I'm up for the challenge. You've flexed in a lot of other creative outlets. However, like we were talking earlier about your poetry oh, um, yeah. that you're famous for on, is it Instagram and I Twitter? mostly post on Instagram and here and there on Twitter. Uh, people seem to enjoy what I, what I write. Interesting. You were telling me about a social media strategy earlier that 
I wasn't even aware of. Um, yeah, it's if you go through my Instagram feed, you'll notice that I post nine photos just of my life, and then I'll post uh, three of my original writings, just so it looks aesthetically pleasing if you check out my page. There's nothing crazy. How do you feel about those people that I see with like not a stereotype, but models like bottle service girls, you know, yeah. people like that, um, that you know have these large spread photos, and you go to their Instagram and. You know, one photo will be stretched out over like 16 different squares or something. You're scrolling. Are you comparing me to a bottle service girl? <laughs> <laughs> you get about as many DMs, buddy. So. Oh, well, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> no, uh, but I, what do you think about that aesthetic? Because uh, first of all, I don't know the software that they're using to do those. Uh, second of all, I've talked to many people that do three across this way, three across that way, or they'll do, they'll do three of the same event, like one will be, um, a, you know, it's almost like a newscast, like a far out photo and then like, um, a peripheral photo and like a right. portrait photo. Yeah. As far as the stretched out photos where you just get a piece of it bit by bit, um, I don't think it's helpful immediately. Like after posting, I think it's kind of annoying to only see like somebody's elbow in one of the photos and then, and then get the face on the X. But whenever people are scrolling through the actual feed, I think it's nice in the long run and it looks great. Um, but it doesn't have like a reward. It doesn't have, uh, what, what word am I thinking of? Just um, an immediate uh, reward or benefit. No. I always like to go to the uh, the bottle service girl's elbow and see how many <laughs> likes there are. And yeah. a lot of dudes like, yo, let me holler at that elbow. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly, man. More than I could ever dream. You know, this is uh, this is probably a crass topic, but let's go there. Um, I have a friend I referenced earlier in the podcast in, in a previous episode uh, up in Baltimore who once had an injury on a skateboard and she was in cast and she posted something she posted a picture with the cast of instagram and i guess she made the fatal mistake of going like hashtag cast or hashtag wound or or something okay. and she got so many cast like fetish people Whoa. hitting her up and they were specifically targeting her because she was wearing a leg cast and i she told me about this and i was like get out of here <laughs> that's, that's insane it was really gross so yeah anyway well, cool story. Like, so whether it's, it's an never... elbow or a cast, stay off the bottle service girls Instagram and after DMs. That's right. That's too funny. Um, so did you uh, did you post anything social over the weekend with your students? Like, what is the what is the etiquette? Because I see some teachers that will make all the kids' faces like smileys because yeah, they can't legally they post their faces. So I deal with high schoolers. It's a little different, and I also know a lot of these family members. Like, for a lot of my kids, I know their parents, so I feel comfortable with them, and they feel comfortable with me, and so. I don't think it's as necessary to like hide that at the same time. I'm never going to post something where I, I feel like it would offend or where the parents would like not approve. And so over this past weekend, um, I just posted a photo of one student and I'm close to them and his family. So I don't know if I can really have an issue with it. It's interesting because uh, I am a big fan of the TV show Impractical Jokers, uh, the sketch comedy group right. up in New York that, uh, they get involved with everybody in Central Park and Manhattan on a daily basis, just interacting and doing wild pranks and different things like that. But one of their biggest things that they're always monitoring is, you know, are you over 18? And so it's just interesting with the different platforms because, I mean, people are getting TV famous off of Instagram yeah. as their main platform. So that is their TV. And it, I guess Instagram and Facebook and the like are just set up in a different publishing format. Uh, so that you can do that. Yeah. Um, you can't you can't monetize under 18 without you know, and and child tag laws and all right. that for TV, but for uh, for social media, it's a little bit different. Uh, 
yeah, I mean, we're not, I'm not trying to monetize anything. <laughs> so, um, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable with the parents. We're always doing stuff outside of the classroom. Like a lot of the families come over and, um, we do like bake sales this past weekend, even though I was gone, our school had garage sales. So, um, I'm very active in the lives of not only my students, but also, uh, their families, which is great. Um, helps us build a good relationship. Interesting. Anything else happened this week? No. Oh, you said you hadn't caught the news at all. You didn't catch the Democratic debates last yeah, night. Yeah, I've been, I've been busy. Um, our students, my soccer players, have made it to the playoffs, and um, so they've been playing this week. And tomorrow is one of the playoff games, so I'm really excited about that. Um, yeah, so I've just really been busy with work and you know catching up on grading and everything. So I really don't know much about what's going on out there. Yeah, I feel like I've had a whole lesson in local civics here recently just because um, my ID is up for renewal and I have to get my car retagged and all of this, but I'm getting a different type of license this time because, and I'd actually debated, you know, going into this process whether or not I would discuss this on the podcast, but I had a very interesting uh, Sunday and in I went and got my LTC, uh, which is my license to carry um, for my handgun that I recently purchased. Yeah, I've been seeing you uh, posting pictures like at the shooting range and... Yeah, and I've been so conflicted about that, man. Like, I, I honestly, I'm in this place where guns are gross, you know? Like, it's, guns can, are used for terrible things, and I feel like the news recently has obviously portrayed all the, the mass shooters and everything, and, you know, I didn't go out and get an AR-15 or anything like that. I, I just went out and got, you know, this uh, really slick lock that had been recommended to me by some friends, and truthfully, the only reason that I even considered the LTC in the first place was because felt like it was too darn easy to get the gun in the first place. And I wanted some additional, you know, certification. Like, I wanted to notify law enforcement. Like, because in, in Texas, I've been learning all about this. Like, we have something called the Castle Doctrine or the Castle Domain, which is you, if you're an 18-year-old citizen, you can just go out, purchase a firearm, and keep that in any place that's your castle, essentially. So, for me, that would be my apartment. For you, it could be your your home, your family home, but it also applies to our cars. And so the minute I heard that you could just go out and buy a gun, keep it in your car, you know, I'm immediately thinking every cop says I've ever watched, every drama where it's like stopping for a score, you know, gun, gun. Right. And I'm like, apparently this, we can just do that, though. Yeah, so it makes sense that they'd be checking since it's so easily accessible. So with this, uh, with this new situation, I don't have any intention, honestly, to carry on any type of frequent basis, like... It's taken me up until the point of 30 to feel as though I had enough maturity and stability in my life to purchase a, a firearm for the first time in my adult life. You know, I grew up in a home where there were two, and they were dusty and safe, and they weren't going to help anybody in the event of home issue. <laughs> so kind of pointless. Um, but I wanted to be safe. I wanted to have the ability to stay safe. And you never know what's going on with the legislation nowadays. Um, you know, our, one of our favorite uh, former congressmen from Texas was talking about how he was going to come for all of your guns in the debate, you know, prior to last night. So you never know how that's going to go. But I wanted the cops, whenever they pull me over, I wanted them to be able to have the big banner that flashes license to, license to carry. Like, you know, I've heard from others, uh, I call them CHLs or LTCs. Um, I've heard from them that law enforcement also almost looks at you like a second line of defense. Um, they, they said stuff like you've got away with speeding tickets and whatnot as a result of being an LTC, which I thought was interesting. But the main reason that I was, uh, you know, I felt almost safe to bring it up, um, you know, obviously we still have our Second Amendment rights. We're sitting here in Dallas, Texas. Like, Carson going out and buying a gun, going to the range, or getting an LTC, 
none of that is TMZ, you know, no. breaking news. But my reticence to like discuss it, you know, publicly or post to Instagram, like yeah, you're a little hesitant because I posted two targets. Yes, <laughs> I, I know to my story and not even to my my normal post just because. I've been in this whole developer Silicon Valley startup world for a couple of years most recently. And I mean, that guns also like racism. Like, yeah. you don't even go near it, you know, at all. So it, it, it's been an interesting uh, thought process from that perspective. But the class itself was one of the most diverse groups that I have been in recently. Really? I was. So I, I go to DFW Gun Range. Um, they've got a big, you know, range in there. They do a bunch of training classes, tactical courses uh they do an ltc class seems like every single day of the week so i sign up for the sunday morning at 9 a.m uh rotation and i'm thinking it's gonna be a bunch of bull boys in there with the coffee and flat on the trucks you know you know just, yeah, you would. Yeah, just getting re up you know right. <laughs> already uh did my first tenure license i'm here for my yeah. second oh my. but it wasn't that way at all i was um i was one of two white people the other was a um kind of a suburban mom you know, that was there and baseball hat and jeans. Uh, the class literally consisted of there was a black mother, a white mother, two Hispanic mothers, an Asian man, a black man, a Hispanic man, and me. Wow. So it was the diversity was not only in terms of ethnicity, but the fact that so many women were getting certified right then, like of all ages from probably 20 to 55 were getting certified. Wow. We are the world. Yeah, it was very interesting. Of course, the, the stereotypical part that did come true and oh, no. you know, came to fruition was that Bubba from Clearwater, Florida was our instructor for the day. Mm. And as the lone, you know, wasp white male, I'm freaking out about <laughs> everything that this guy says. So it, he just, you know how some older white guys, uh, when they start describing an athlete, you're like, please stop, uh, yeah. please stop. Like there's no way that you're going to make this. Uh, no PC at all. Right. Well, he's his high school was where Emma Smith went, mm-hmm. and so he's describing Emma Smith and how how much of a beast Emma Smith was back yeah. in the day. And he's just making me more nervous and more nervous. At one point, he uh, he's trying to illustrate a point. He goes, "Well, if you believe that, you could just go vote for Obama." <laughs> and I'm like, "Dude, look around you. Like, yeah, you know, know your audience. You probably have a ninety percent voter base in here, but nobody took exception. It, everybody was cool. Uh, we were all nudging each other and giving congratulations on passing the shooting course and all yeah. of this stuff. So it was kind of a cool bonding experience. But it it was interesting just because you know it's always the GOP versus Democrats, and we have the base and everything going on right now. Um, it was interesting to see what you might interpret as a Democratic voting base or what you would likely think of that all getting LTCs. Right. Like it was every walk, race, religion, creed, age. It was really interesting to see. Yeah, I bet. Um, I have a question for you. So as far as like getting your license to carry, do you feel like all the prep work and the class, do you think that was adequate or do you think it should be uh, more strict or should they make the process more difficult to to receive that license? Yeah, that, that's the weird thing with, uh, with guns all this and really, seeing people that I'd normally profile, like there were some gangster type looking people in the, uh, in the class that were tatted up and, you know, you, they're not people that you would think the, 
you would stereotypically think of them from a media perspective as being the victim of a stop and frisk, not an empowered license to carry uh, right. type person. So I think this whole process has shown me that this is a an, inali- an inalienable right uh, for American citizens. And these were all American citizens and we were just practicing our freedom. So yeah. it kind of stripped the whole like opinion away from everything. Um, I think that I was discussing this with a friend like buying the gun itself was a 20 minute process and i told the clerk like dude that was too easy and he said i know <laughs> i mean i had to wait 15 minutes for uh, and literally they used air quotes or like the government uh, we're waiting on the government mm. so I, I don't know what that means because i know we don't have universal background checks yet right um but i had to fill out paperwork um you know have i ever been convicted of a felony etc cetera, etc cetera. walk out with the gun uh immediately go home i'm parking my car at home and my house is in a school zone the light is flashing and it just struck me like, you know, off the street, American citizen, no priors granted, goes into a store, buys a gun and 10 minutes later is smack dab in the heart of a school zone as school is letting out. Like just the access that you understand the minute you have one, you're almost like, oh, everybody's got one. Like right. this is a very prevalent thing. I've had my head in the sand for a while. Um, the, the thing about the LTC. Yeah, you have to shoot. The silhouette, like you don't have to be dead on the mark, but I think they pass a lot of shooters and the, the test, the written test itself is laughable. Okay. And then the in-person classes, they basically tell you the answers. But the, the biggest pieces of information that I was going for were uh, like reciprocity with other states. Like, mm-hmm. so I have an LTC in Texas. What does that mean if I'm going on a road trip to New Mexico? Yeah. Um, and so we learned all about that. We learned all about protecting ourselves if we ever were to utilize the weapon in a, a situation of self-defense or something like that. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was just good to kind of feel like you went under the state training, so to speak. Um, it's not exhaustive to do the actual things necessary, but it's almost like college. Like, was college hard for you? No. No. But it demonstrated a certain level of, like, administrative capability over a certain amount of time where you had to live somewhere. You had to go to this class, this building for class, this building for class. You had to go over to this um, administrative building to get your registrar. And, you know, you had to get your credits in order. It demonstrated an overall comprehensive view of you as a reliable person. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. With the LTC, you have to pass the actual shooting course. You have to pass the written test. You have to sit through five hours of state training And then I get the opportunity like that basically gave me the ticket to go apply online Mm -hmm. where I provide literally it was a consecutive like you couldn't skip a single month of the last five years of employment of living situation. And then once you do all of that and pay that fee. (laughs) So now we're it's all menial fees, but we're two or three, uh, you know, fee layers in at this point. After you do all of that, then you get to go down to like a Sylvan Learning Center or something like that and get fingerprinted and wait six weeks for the actual LTC to come in. So, you know, you you have to show up to enough places doing enough different things that and plus, if you're a criminal, like I'm trying to think about it, like, is it weeding out bad people or an, an indication of good people that, hey, I want to tell the state like technically I'm tipping the state off like, yeah, like, hey, I own this. Well, and I think about it from a, the whole process has scared me knowing what they do with our data, because 
right now I'm on a mini spectrum of like radicalization if you're Google because you know I'm watching a bunch of murder mysteries all of this different stuff maybe they see that I've watched Fox News and CNN and then they see that my search history includes firearms and Glocks and then YouTube videos on like how to use this and then they see that I took the step to go get my LTC and you know they're reading my communication like you can see my path to being an equipped person for negative things if right. if that was my intention obviously we know that it's not but <laughs> but even having that in my search history is like do you ever do you have things that you're like can we google this yeah well i mean i have like crazy instances whenever i'm just reading a novel uh or something in school with my students and they ask a random question like is that legal or would that be allowed and so i'm constantly googling questions on my laptop that I don't think any... Do you have an example? A recent one? No, but I'm, I'll think of one. <laughs> just not right now. Every time I ask you I'm just for the, man. the recent classroom experience, you're like, oh, it was thoughts last... Or the thought police yeah, from yeah, 1984. Yeah. But it eventually came around. <laughs> and it was um, worth going back to as well. Yeah. So if I can think of one, then I'll, I'll share. I just know that it's happened before. A situation from a novel that they asked, would this be legal now? Or could you Google this and see? In so many words, they they said it something like that. Um, yeah, I'll have to get back to you. We don't wait for that thought to roll around. If the book is more than 150 years old, it's not even the same type of civilization. Um, it's yeah. not even the same like layer of humanity that we experience now. So we're reading 1984 uh, with my seniors, and it's talking about controlling when people are allowed to have sex uh and you know in the novel they're only allowed to have sex for um reproduction reproductional purposes and um, Re reproductional it sounds like a reproductive uh, sofa <laughs> yeah well you put me on the spot so i don't even know no, no, that, no. keep going uh, with this um and so we the students also were talking about like prostitution because in the book um, people would pay for prostitution and try to try to hide it because sex was not legal and um, they would get like five years worth of labor um, were they to get caught. But for one sexual encounter? Yeah, Ooh. but the thing is like in the novel, everything else that they would do, like if they were to keep a diary and write down their thoughts in a diary, that was punishable by death. Like people would be killed for that. And so people were willing to find a prostitute or someone to pay for sex because they didn't mean if they got caught, they didn't have to die. Um, but the government uh, it, in this novel, if they were to think that you were actually interested in the person that you're having intercourse with, um, they would separate you two. And uh, then you wouldn't allow, you wouldn't be allowed to be together. They would move you like across the, the, uh, I guess, land, and you would never see them again just for being interested in someone because they were trying to control um, these are almost thoughts. supervised conjugal visits of sorts, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, there was like a timestamp, like you were to have it at this time, um, yeah, and so, oh, like, so they were they were asking, like, well, what, what was what would happen if the government actually did that? Would they be allowed to make those kinds of laws? And so I'm over here Googling, like, cause I don't, I didn't have the answer. Well, that's to some the, of these questions the Chinese off, law. Off right. You're only allowed to have one kid. Uh, 
I feel or, like it was that way all my childhood. Or we would always learn that that uh, in China you you were restricted to one child. Now, I don't believe that they were saying that you couldn't have sex at all except for the purposes of uh, procreating, but you were limited to one child. And I've heard, have you heard any uh, rumors about some sort of law like that being floated in America by certain factions of, I can't remember which party it is, but I can't either. I think it was AOC was saying something like it's unconscionable to have more than one child or a child at all in, um, you know, obviously if you think the world is beyond repair within 12 years. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, in the first episode, I talked about why we read certain books, but this is why I chose to read this one with my seniors, because we're living in such a pivotal time in our nation where who we vote for and who we decide to lead this country next. I mean, it could it could steer us way to the left or way to the right. And it's important to know like what you stand for and what your beliefs are um, it, just in order to steer steer the country the way that you want it to go um want to be able to recognize like you know what what you identify with and not get caught up in the smoke and mirrors um i I totally see what you're saying there and i mean politics and, and news and current events and 1984 does sound eerily similar to different things that we're you know grappling with today and kind of going back to the the LTC class, one of the weird things about most of the prep work in like the five hour course was that they were referring to like current events. And if you're listening to this podcast, you know, Brad and I had a discussion the other day about not getting too regional, you know, (laughs) not, not tipping the cap, ma'am, too much with our Dallas, Texas, not too much yeehaw, you know, we want to be global baby, but uh, (laughs) Mr. Worldwide. But um, at the same time, Unfortunately, our police forces in both Dallas and Fort Worth are making international oh, news. Oh my goodness. The last month between obviously Amber Geiger, Botham John, which we talked about on the uh I think it was the first podcast. Yeah, and then we talked about the witness in the second one. And now I thought we were done except that uh, I'm in the LTC class and this guy is like, "Did you guys hear about that woman in Fort Worth that got shot just for a wellness check?" And I had seen something about you know, preliminary information. First thing before I went to the class, like Fort Worth woman uh, kill or killed by a, an officer. Yep. But that was the first time in the class that I'd heard that it was for a a wellness check. Yeah. And so, of course, over the last couple of days, I, I believe it was Tatiana Johnson. Um, she was uh, her neighbor had called in for some yeah. sort of wellness and, and her her front door had been open and it, and he was just worried that something might be going on so he called the police to check it out and they saw a shadow in the window and decided to shoot and it was fatal and it ended up being her she was there playing video games with a nephew that she was babysitting she'd moved into that home to care for her ailing mother i yeah. believe and she was i saw a video on twitter uh, she was going through like a, uh, a little skeleton doll uh, demonstrating she was going to pre-med or she was doing something medical. And so it was like a video. It was basically a character uh, witness video, like showing this was an adept person that, you know, was living a good life. And, you know, yeah. that it, it just further backed up what a terrible shoot this was. Um, I don't know if you watched the body cam video, but it is it's horrifying. Yeah. Like it. The amount of, first of all, why are you in the backyard? Like, 
if the front door's open, why didn't you go to the front door and say, knock, knock, you know, hello, Miss Johnson, like, you know, everything okay in here? It, yeah, it's ridiculous. And, you know, this goes back to you saying you were a little tentative to post, you know, after you had got your license to carry it. I mean, the past three, four weeks, uh, Texas has been in a negative light um, involving guns. And so I can see why you would be... Um, well, I got, the, I got the LTC because uh, DFW cops. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, they're yeah, out here, man. They'll come knocking. Um, now, her case... Or shooting, not knocking. The, her case brings up something interesting to me uh, because so much of the, the LTC, first of all, there's some states that say, yes, you can conceal it. Uh, there's other states that say you can conceal and you can open carry. There's a lot of issues with open carry. I think it's just inviting trouble uh people can wrestle for your peace you yeah. know all of that different type of stuff um but with the concealed carry oftentimes it's just giving off the impression that everything is a-okay like you could have a, a bare glock sitting on your passenger um, um seat as long as there's a towel over it or yeah. even a ball cap like it doesn't need to be in a case. It doesn't need to be in the glove compartment or the center console. It could just be the guy, our instructor was saying, I keep mine uh, in between the seat and the center console with a towel over it. I'm mm. like, holy crap. Like, yeah. this doesn't seem very secure, you right. know? I don't know. Um, so the whole transport of it is very interesting. I just, I got to realizing with the definitions of what a building is, of what a property is, um, public property extends, you know, a lot like yeah. all private all driveways all sidewalks all streets um it's just interesting when you see that good old boy going out to his truck uh you know from the concert or the mall or whatever like that parking lot is filled with guns in yeah. texas Absolutely. you've got to know that but these uh these cop shootings have just been horrendous obviously these two are very different uh, at least currently right currently where they're in the investigation fort worth I think on the heels of what happened in Dallas really didn't mince words. They immediate they were going to fire him. He tendered his resignation prior to the chief, like getting there for the day or like he yeah. showed up super early and did it, um, which it seemed to almost backfire in that they were like, now that he did that, we don't have to protect him at all. Here's his name. Yeah. <laughs> He's get, he got arrested for murder that night. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> so, I mean, appropriate. Absolutely. However, I did hear that she was potentially brandishing a gun inside. Yeah. And uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, it's it's legal. She's in her home. So, I mean, I understand that they were worried that somebody uh, might have been there and that she was in trouble, but they needed more information before they, they fire. Well, it's interesting because isn't it kind of a, our global rule that if a cop feels as though they are in mortal danger that they are licensed to kill or licensed to shoot with, you know, intent because I don't think any evidence shows that, that he, that the officer was in harm's way. If he saw her in a split second and he saw a gun in her hand or a hand outstretched, he could have been in legitimate fear for his life. Here's my problem with that. He put himself in a situation where he was going to be in legitimate fear for his life. Like, I feel like if he'd gone in through the front door as a wellness check calls for, you know, and, and not been creeping around in the backyard, like with a flashlight going up to windows, like, like yeah. you said, it was within her legal right 
to defend her home. And if someone's at her window, she could definitely brandish a gun. Absolutely. So I guess how nosy should cops be given that they are licensed to shoot and kill if they ever feel in danger? It's like, well, hey, put yourself in less danger then, you know, right. like quit putting yourself in these situations. Don't go into people's backyards, like hand out fewer warrants. Like mm-hmm. I, I, it's hard because I, I love shows like SVU and Criminal Minds and all of these different, you know, formulaic dramas, if you will. But um, you know, there's bad people out there and you always want the cops to have as much authority as is needed when you're chasing down a particular bad guy. Yeah. And, and how do you feel the next time, you know, you worry about a, na- a neighbor in trouble? Like, you know, they interviewed the guy that made the phone call and he's like, well, what am I supposed to do? He's like, I thought she was in danger. And so it's just making it even more difficult. Yeah, right. It's it's. I mean, it's a heavy situation and I don't really have an answer for it, but it's it's just going to make it that much more difficult to want to call whenever you feel like someone's in trouble because the person that you're trying to help their their life could be taken or at least that's what happened. Uh, this time around it's such a roll of the dice because you know i heard on uh, i was listening to the radio earlier and they had the former uh, police chief on and he was making my exact point that he should have never been in the backyard this should yeah. have never gotten to this point there should have been no need for weapons or uh, a sense of fear you know for a wellness check he's like how about sticking your head through the open door and going knock knock like fort worth pd we're doing a wellness check like call out their name announce identify do anything and so you know that if that particular individual had been on the case and stopping by, she would probably still be alive. Right. She would. Oh, my bad. The door was open. I didn't realize that. Like, let me let me close it. You know, yeah. things happen like that. <laughs> so why he felt the need to creep around. I'm anxious to hear more of his background. Like, I hate to crucify every officer that's done anything bad but at the same time i love crucifying every officer that's done anything bad (laughs) because you know we we love scapegoating in this country and absolutely the villain and you know when it's a justified when it's a non-justified especially white officer on black citizen kill man it's just it's for people who don't know dallas and fort worth are both pretty large cities respectively and they're only like 20 minutes away from each other without traffic so for this to strike like granted the the botham john situation was you know a year or two ago but it's fresh on the heels of the the trial and then the additional witness being shot like just insane yeah can't can't fix it all no i I don't have an answer for it but um, it, it's just, it's sad news to hear. And, and I don't know, hope, hopefully we don't have any more of these issues for, for the next a week. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, what is, what is the solution here? Because first of all, cops are tasked with, you know, handling far too much, uh, in society and, you know, they're, they're forced to thrust their noses into situations that, you know, frankly, they shouldn't be. And when a cop is following proper procedure, it minimalizes these types of things. Uh, I say, I I was about to say accident and I, I I guess it was an accident, but it should be treated much more harshly than just like, oops, my bad because somebody's life was taken. So uh, 
I don't have the answer for it, but I also feel like, you know, there are, there are procedures put in place and should they have been taken these people's lives? I mean, I mean, they would still be alive. Um, I don't have much more to say on that topic other than it's a, it's, it's just a terrible thing that has happened. Yeah. Our thoughts and prayers for sure go out to her family and, um, you know, for the heck of it, his family, not yeah. necessarily him. I mean, you know that he's sitting in a prison cell somewhere and he's yeah. like, what have I done? Right. Because I'm sure in that dude's mind. And listen, there could be institutional racism in that he perceived more of a threat because in the, you know, split second moment, uh, had she been white, maybe it may, would have made a difference uh, to this particular person. Um, that being said, you know, overt like you know, oh, (laughs) he couldn't make the decision to shoot at this person simply because of their skin color. I don't think that was going through his mind. If you watch the body cam video, it is so quick that your biggest thing is like, I bet he wishes he could get that bullet back. Yeah. It it almost looked like, you know, he he crapped his pants and didn't mean to shoot per se, but did on accident. I don't know if he had one in the chamber or what, but um, he had to have because he literally goes up next to this window and then just shoots right through it without even saying anything. Right. Like no, no, no identification, hesitation. no nothing. So I, I'm sure he's ruining the day that he was born or decided to join the police force because that was just back in like 2017, 2018. Um, but homeboy is headed for the big pen for sure. Yep. And and should because doesn't have the judgment to be a police officer. Think before you shoot. And maybe we should have more police officers that are public servants to the extent that, you know, they would prefer to take a bullet, you know, if they're not convicted of, if there's a situation where they feel like they might be in danger, but they don't know what they're shooting at, what the backstop is, how many are in the apartment, what the actual situation is, maybe we should pay them more and also, you know, work them up to different levels of uh, seniority where they understand like, you might be laying down. I, I get that they're already acquiescing to the fact that they could lay down their lives for yeah. the city and the citizens and different things. But I, I'm just, instead of just going out and saying, everybody come back to police headquarters tonight, maybe it's more like, you know, protect and serve and understand that you might, what if a child had a gun? Are you going to shoot the child or are you going to, you know, do the heroic thing. <laughs> Maybe yeah. the dumb, it's probably not according to procedure, but it's like, we've quit thinking with our humanity lenses on, Yeah. you know, shoot first, ask questions later. If you get the opportunity. Yeah. It's a really unfortunate situation, but, um, it, it kind of leads us into what, what was Monday? Was Monday a holiday? Yes, it was. W- which holiday was it? Columbus. Oh, oh, there we go. Oh, are you allowed yeah. to say that? <laughs> uh, what actual? Day Brad just it? swore on the podcast. Uh, yeah. Columbus Day. My goodness, yeah. My my calendar had eighteen different holidays on my iCal that day because I don't know Indigenous if Indigenous Day, right? That's Indigenous the... People's Day. Yeah. Um, and somebody made the joke. Uh, <laughs> everybody forgot to wish Elizabeth Warren happy Indigenous <laughs> People's Day before oh, the the debate. But um, yeah, there the backlash against Columbus. I saw that his statue got vandalized in San Francisco. Oh, did it? I think they poured. It looked like blood. I'm not sure if it oh, was wow. blood or red dye ink or what. But yeah, um, dude, statues are just like a thing of the past now. Like 
They've torn down so many statues. Uh, and even these, I mean, I thought Christopher Columbus was still at best a gray area, but nope. Nah, man. <laughs> He's like the same person as Robert E. Lee now. Yes. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, there seem to be a lot of people out for Indigenous Peoples Day. Yeah. Um, I saw some Indigenous people on my travels to New Mexico uh, last month. And I got to tell you, that's always a trip, you know? How so? We, we've just, we pushed them into these, you know, sequestered areas and then allocated this money while sanctioning them at the same time. And uh, I think just obviously crippled, crippled that, um, that group of people significantly. But even now, I mean, you talk about a generational effect. Um, It's really interesting. I mean, granted, casino money and different things like that coming in but uh just kind of it's it's interesting to stumble across you know a real community building for like an, an indian tribe whenever you're up in the mountains yeah i saw a legitimate indian um like walking down the road and i was it was just really interesting because you know you don't they're not portrayed in media how many native american friends like full-blooded native american friends do you have Zero. Yeah, and uh, I don't know that that's necessarily your fault. I mean, you go to all the places that you can meet all sorts of different types of people. Right. But, yeah, we've just we've just bullied them around um, and then subsidized them and kind of, I think, limited the path in future generations' minds. And it, it's obviously a real crime. I don't know if we need to rename Christopher Columbus because he can't, you know, find a place on a map. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, he wasn't even searching for the Americas. He was searching for India. <laughs> That's why he called them Indians. What, who was it, Louis C.K. that did the bit about him coming here and saying, hey, you guys are Indians. And they're like, no, this isn't Indian. India. And he goes, ah, you're Indians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, yeah, that sounds right. Was that Louis? It might have been. Is he coming back? I don't know, man. I, you know, if we're on the topic of PC culture... Um, let's hit them all yeah i i honestly haven't listened to him since uh you didn't he, listen to the leak set no oh my goodness so it got a lot of hate obviously and he was working out the parkland and talking about school shootings oh he yeah. was working out that's, the parkland that's very wise of him coming off the heels of his, his <laughs> last mistake you know he he's an artist he can talk about what he wants and he was working out a bit that hadn't been worked all the way out yet mm -hmm. and i gotta tell you like the entire crowd was laughing hysterically i was laughing hysterically whenever i heard it um i, I think he's a cruel you know hilarious human being yeah. <laughs> in his sets at least and maybe well in real life as well but i i do hope that i do hope he comes back he came to the addison improv several months ago but tickets I think their website crashed. Oh, <laughs> there was no promotion, yeah. no social media, no nothing. Yeah, maybe that was a sign. But he's it's just a matter of his timing because acts as big as him, like what Dave Chappelle and Joe Rogan have been up to recently, like they go out and they'll rent that entire arena and then they'll bring in the vendors, they'll bring in, you know, the cell phone bag people. Yeah. And they'll take the entire uh door. As a result. Right. I mean, that's how Dane Cook, have you heard his story? Like his business journey story? No, I don't. I've read the parts where he's ripped jokes from other comedians, um, but I don't know too much else. 
I don't know that I've heard that, but uh, I've heard a lot of accusations about a lot of people in the last couple of years as yeah. far as that's concerned. That's kind of why he faded, because he got so much backlash from several different comedians, including Louis C.K. Um, they had a huge beef, uh, and he, he was at Dane Cook whenever Louis C.K. had the show Louis on FX. Um, Dane Cook was actually on there, even though they still didn't like each other. It was like it made headlines, um, at least in the comedy circuit at the time. But uh, Dane Cook was on there and they kind of rifted off of each other. I don't think it was super scripted or anything. And then he left. They aired the episode and it's not like they made up or anything. They still don't get along. Um, but yeah, so he, he received a lot of backlash from several comedians for ripping jokes. I didn't know that that contributed. You're saying that his career descent that he experienced uh several years ago now because what what is his rise here what does his graph look like because um, so he had the he had the vicious cycle or vicious circle i can't remember it's either vicious cycle or vicious circle uh the stand-up set and that just got so many listeners listeners well, he was on myspace from, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like where he got big, right? Was uh, he was the first person to exploit MySpace, yeah, and exactly. he got super big with the stand-up. And so he had that comedy set, and I know myself and all of my friends listened to it. That was back whenever people bought CDs, and I think that was the only comedy CD that any of us ever owned. It was huge. Interesting. And then, so he does this stand-up thing. He's beast moding social media. You know, they called him like. I've heard he's recently been back on the podcast circuit and doing stand up and whatnot. And I didn't realize what his story was. Yeah. So you're going to have to inform me and the listeners about that because I don't know. Well, basically, you know, you remember Dane Cook with the special. I don't know if Vicious Circle. Is it the one where he's in the circle? Yeah. Okay. So with the leather bracelet. Right. Right. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's a great. Yeah, that was back with his obnoxious hair. Yes. Yeah. He was a total bro, but he was a hardworking dude. Who was always crushing, according to comedians who were working with him, he experienced this like meteoric rise, the likes of which we probably haven't seen again until what Amy Schumer did. Okay. Uh, It was probably Dane. I know Aziz kind of got big uh, with television and movies. Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. I mean, Kevin Hart's on a, that's a different conversation now. True. But uh, so you remember Good Luck Chuck? You remember all the rom coms, all the movies that he made? Uh, So he's making dope money he's turning around the country he's doing all of this his brother is his business manager hmm. his brother robbed him blind for 20 years his brother is serving time in a federal penitentiary as we speak wow. for bilking his brother his brother dane cook out of millions of dollars to the extent that i get the sense that there was maybe tens of millions of dollars at one point that's and maybe wow. five or ten years ago dane got to the point where there was nothing as a result of him having to get a file and work with the FBI and put his brother in jail for, I mean, just insane embezzlement. And so he was destitute. He didn't have any movie roles. He wasn't performing stand up at the time. He didn't have any money. And what he did was he would go to uh, Baltimore and he would go to Royal Farms Arena and he would say, uh, how much to rent this place out this next Tuesday? And they would say, it's going to be $50,000. And he'd say, okay. And he'd put the date on his website. He'd put his own money down for holding the venue. And then he'd show up. He would sell you know, 15,000 tickets at however many a pop. 
and he would make all his margins, sell all, all his merch, and then he was able to get that money and do an even for bigger the, venue. For the next venue, yeah. And doing that, he basically built himself back up to the point that it sounds like things are going well again. Well, that's um, good. But he, yeah, he was recently on Theo Vaughn, on... He was on all the comedians podcast with the exception of uh, JRE, which would be hmm. super interesting. Like a Joe Rogan, Dane Cook interview would be awesome. That would be interesting. And now that you're saying all this that happened to him, I, I feel bad. So I am going to fact check myself uh, later on, but I, I'm pretty sure he was accused of stealing other people's jokes. So hopefully he's coming back with his own material. And uh, Yeah, fact check that. Um, and we'll report back on episode four because I, I know where you're coming from. I don't think Dane. Yeah, it was around the time where Carlos Mencia was yeah. also getting accused of that. The, no, he he was the big culprit. Right. He doesn't work anymore. Well, he does, but um, not not to the same extent. Apparently, he used to be huge. Yeah, huge, I, huge. I could be getting uh, comedians' Wikipedia pages uh, crossed up. No, I know where you're coming from though, because I think that many in our generation are, especially guys, like our overall vibe from Dane Cook was like, oh, he's like a leather bracelet wearing bro man that has yeah. funny party jokes and he's just a lot of energy and a lot of physical comedy and not, he was never my favorite stand up no. by any means. And his, I mean, he actually was mine, but that was whenever I was a kid that, you know, thought crash jokes were a lot more funny than I do now. So I kind of had the same impression where, you know, six months ago, if you told me that he'd stolen jokes, I would have been like, of course, cause he's the performer. Like he's the person that puts it into motion. He's not, a thoughtful guy. Yeah. Um, but then after hearing his real story and hearing some in-depth interviews, I, I think he does one on uh, Theo Vaughn this past weekend podcast. That's probably the number one uh, resource that I would go to for the whole, the whole story that one. And I'm trying to think about who else. Um, anyway, it doesn't matter, but he, he gained a lot of depth and a lot of comedians talked about him on their podcast, comedians that I respect that are like real thoughtful writers and human beings. Um, and they were very much like he's one of the greats in terms of work ethic, in terms of, um, you know, they always have this metric like what percentage of the time do you kill even yeah. when you're working on new material? And they said that his was like a 99% hit rate. Wow. Whether it was 50 people or 15,000. That's incredible. Would he have been on Bert or uh, Tom Segura's podcast? Is that what you're thinking of? Or um, you know, I think he actually was on Burtcast. Okay. Um, he was on Burtcast, and he might have been on The Fighter and the Kid, but I can't remember. Oh, gotcha. Um, those are all good. Po Do you ever listen to Joey Diaz, The Church of What's Happening Now? I have not. Man, he's so funny. He's such a, a hoot and a holler. I'll put it on the list. He was at The Majestic here in Dallas a couple of months ago. I wanted to... I would love to go see him. Yeah. Um, Let's catch him next time around. Actually, uh, are you familiar with Kill Tony podcast? Um, so you had me listen to one of those podcasts and I enjoyed it. It just hasn't made it into my weekly listens. Yeah, I'm cyclical with that one. It can be very annoying um, at times, but uh, Tony Hinchcliffe. And so the guy that got Joe Rogan's podcast started, Brian Redband, mm -hmm. who's been like kind of a podcast mogul, a producer of sorts. He's like the Diddy of podcasting. <laughs> hey. um, he is on this podcast with Tony Hinchcliffe, who I I feel like I channel Tony Hinchcliffe, or maybe he channels me. Uh, he's a couple years older than me, but he's just kind of that snarky, 
uh, you know, skinny white guy that just has the sharpest (laughs) tongue. And he thinks in very like crass, you know, lines and he's hilarious, very quick talker, quick witted. And he has this podcast called Kill Tony where they, they hosted out of the comedy store every week in LA and they put a bunch of names in a basket and they draw them out and you get 60 seconds of stage time for, you know, young aspiring comedians. Well, he was just in Dallas uh, a week ago back when, right after the Ari Shafir show, um, when Mark Norman was in town. So Mark Norman did an episode with them, but they're filming at Hyenas Dallas. And so I'm watching this and I'm seeing neighbors get up there, like (laughs) plugging their business down the street from me. And, uh, but we had some really good talent actually. Uh, Dallas, Dallas came out in that. There were two episodes actually. Well, that's great. It was so funny. Like I love their band with Jeremiah Watkins. Mm -hmm. I went, the last time that he was taping in Fort Worth for Kill Tony, I didn't go to the Kill Tony, but I went to the stand-up show. And it was awesome because uh, Jeremiah Watkins is the main is the first opener, and then Brian Redband, and then um, Tony Hinchcliffe. That's a, that's a nice lineup. Oh, it hit hard. I bet. But Dallas is really getting a lot of comedians to come through here recently. Yeah, they're showing out. Yeah. we're. I think sometimes because it's home, we don't think about it, but... You know, the, the PGA Tour is coming to town. It mm-hmm. has always come to town, but we're getting a major uh, yeah. starting in Frisco in like 2023 or something. I think we're getting a, a PGA major and a Legends Tour, the Champions Tour oh, major right. as well. You see uh, Tigers coming out with a biography, autobiography? Yeah, I saw some tease. Uh, I mean, first of all, it's got to be the biggest story. I mean, because we all want to know about Oh yeah, we all want to. We want to hear his side. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) wonder how he's gonna weave his way out of that. So I saw the preview on Twitter, and it was, I mean, it was trying to position it like, tell us his side of the story. Yeah, like trying to uh, get rid of all those false accusations about the women. Oh yeah, yeah. I've got a very unpopular opinion as far as all that goes. Because well, we need the numbers, so uh, and well, why don't you share? Yeah. <laughs> Let's let this go viral, baby. All right. Well, <laughs> mistress number one, I still remember her name, Rachel Uckatel. Uh That girl was fine. She was way finer than Elon ever was. <laughs> and so that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> I, yeah, you said I, enough. I feel like she was linked to multiple athletes, though. Like she was sought after or something like that or she had some sort of other career presence going on maybe so i don't even remember what year this happened but yeah this was a long time ago yeah we've Um, already welcomed him back with open arms yeah i i probably did not care at the time (laughs) when he won the masters last year the youngest child to hug him was from that elon marriage and that child was probably under 10 so i'm i think it was probably about 10, 15 years ago, like 2000. Okay. No, it was 2009, 10. Yeah. So I would have been a senior in high school or a freshman in college. And that didn't concern me. Like, I just, I think I cared a lot less about the news around that time. Well, and around that time, uh, even around this time, it's like, you know, world's number one golfer rumored to have numerous affairs. It's like, no, duh. Yeah. Um, yeah now it's just shrouded by all of these athletes and, and the way that they make headlines. is just like another day. What's up with the world's number one in every category having similar character flaws? Like 
you know, mm. if you think about the number one, like, so uh, we're talking like all athletes, like all sure. the different types of sports. Are we also talking about like business actors, actors okay. environmentalists? And you're saying that the, that the number one issue would be, um, uh, an appetite, like an appetite for infidelity or if, for, for everything for conquesting, you know, okay. uh, I'm not saying that they all have problems with alcohol or drugs or women per se. But whatever their lust in life is, whatever they, you know, because isn't that type of mentality conquer. what got them to the top, though? I mean, yeah, arguably. I, I'm just wondering, like, I guess it's a chicken and an egg situation. Right. Like, you know, uh, did they rise to that level because of the people that they are or did they become did they become that voracious appetite person once they, you know, once they made it achieved a certain level? Interesting. Were all of those, I feel like a lot of those people were knocked down a peg at one stage of their life and then moved forward to a place where they couldn't recognize their former weak self. Mm. You think they view themselves as like invincible or no matter, no matter what, like they can kind of get away with anything? Uh, sure, sure. But I also think that their ability to relate sometimes like, you know, they don't remember being short and fat. They don't remember being the last to get picked. They don't mm. remember whatever it they was. They don't have any of those humbling experiences, really. They've just well, been no, six. They, it's like, it's post-traumatic stress disorder. It's like, maybe oh. they were the glasses-wearing nerd on the playground as a child, and now they're the CEO mogul or the rapper or whoever, and they've worked so hard to blur out the the past fragility mm, the kanye effect i mean yeah what was the speaking of kanye what did oh he... he still never came we talked about his album in episode one still hasn't been released so that's well, that on that he's trying to save his marriage right now because he was like i don't like kim being sexy on calendars <laughs> okay why don't you check your music videos kanye <laughs> you're the one that propped her up well, are you familiar with this current event <laughs> I am. Okay, please enlighten me because I didn't read. Okay, so we see a preview of the Keeping Up with Kardashians in which they're sitting in the living room with some family members present, and Kanye is just telling Kim like he doesn't like whenever she dresses all scandalously. And uh, Kim's like, well, you know, you're, you're not going to tell me how to dress. And um, it's just really interesting because Kanye has been on like his – I don't know what to call it, but he, he's found God again. And so on this episode, you know, he's talking about his Christianity and his beliefs and how, you know, women shouldn't just uh, wear these, this type of clothing that, you know, Kim's known for, even though in his past music videos, like he's put her in these clothes. And in the past, he said she is famous for her looks. Like that is how, you know, she makes money. And he's openly said that even, you know, that's his wife that he's talking about. And now all of a sudden he has an issue with it. Well, and he was realistic that her rise to prominence was over an, a sex tape initially. Right. And, you know, I hate to go there, but he's been rumored to view her sex tape while having sex with other women prior to their marriage. Yeah. So he's no saint. 
Yeah, but that was back when he was wilding, you know. <laughs> now he's that was back whenever George Bush doesn't care about black people. Yeah, and now now Trump does. Now he's wearing the MAGA hat. So, the, I mean, that just goes back to what you were you were talking about. You know, they lose sight of who they were in the past when, once they gain that celebrity and that fame. So uh, our transitions are just on point today. Episode three is hey, three episodes. We're in here, baby. We're just reading each other's thoughts, folks. <laughs> no, uh, speaking of MAGA, you know, Trump is going to be in, in Keene in your school town. That's right. So we went to school in Keene, Texas, um, Johnson our, co- County. our college, Southwestern Adventist University. And it's this this little town of what's the population? It's 6,500. 6,500. And uh, Trump will be rolling through uh, tomorrow, Thursday, um, October 17th. So I see the article about Trump going to Johnson County. I'd heard the rumors that he was going to Johnson County to go to Keene. And I was like, sure he was. Like, <laughs> right. The Keene is basically a – I think they just got their third stoplight uh, within the last <laughs> five years. I'm not even joking. I remember when the first one went in. Um, that was a big deal. Uh, so they, it's a small town and you see the Trump's going there. But the thing that was lodged in the article was that the reason that he's going there is because they're opening up a new Louis Vuitton factory or Louis something. Louis V. Yes. A Louis Vuitton ranch or a handmade workshop at a ranch in Keene proper. Yeah. So I remember articles about this going or about the Louis Vuitton factory, um, going around Facebook and whatnot whenever I was living in Maryland. And because I was living there, I didn't look too much into it. Um, but it appears that that has been set up, and now Trump has come in to uh, make a visit. I don't understand because I was in Paris uh, two months ago walking past the Louis Vuitton headquarters, so I don't understand why they picked Keene, Texas, Johnson County, 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, for a handmade factory of sorts. Like, what in the world happened? I wouldn't be able to tell you either, honestly. So, uh, there, there'll probably be some some more drama in Dallas because... Oh, yeah, those keen cops. I, I'm sure they're ready to hand out tickets <laughs> oh, left and right, man. baby. <laughs> those guys. Hey, I, whenever, those I, whenever I was a student there, there was three consecutive months where I got speeding tickets. Um, and I remember the last one, I got it as I was driving from the dorm to one of our buildings, Pichero Hall. And this is within walking distance. It's not very far, but it was in January. <laughs> you were driving. And yeah. so, you know, everything was iced over. It was cold. I didn't want to walk in the cold. I had a Spanish final, a Spanish test. And um, it was about 7 a.m. You're like, and so I don't, I don't make a complete stop at the stop sign. And all of a sudden I see flashing lights. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is this is only like 0.3 miles and I managed to get a speeding ticket. And then I went in and failed my Spanish final. (laughs) Wow. What a sad day. Wow. Talk about blurring out past moments of fragility. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I I have not, I don't think I thought of that until reminds me of that day. Yeah, I think I blocked. I ran into you down there. Oh my goodness. Let's yeah. I won't tell that story, but yeah, we'll save it for another time. It's interesting that he's going to be down there. Uh, it's for the Louis Vuitton thing. And um, then he's going to be in Dallas. Uh, there's a lunch on Thursday. And if you've got $250,000, you and your sweet thing can go to it. Wow. Um, take a selfie with him. It's a fundraiser for 2020. And then 
the scariest news of the week. <laughs> He's having a rally at American Airlines Center, which oh is my. three miles from where we're doing this podcast. Like we're we're three miles from both AAC and uh, the Dallas Love Field Airport. And so I hear airplanes all the time right? going in and out. But they have been straight fighter jets, like Air Force One. Like, you can tell the people are here. Like, I, I remember the other day there was, like, a bunch of, uh, a bunch of like, aggressive plane sounds. And then I heard the next day that it was because I think it was Sundar Pichai from Google and Ivanka Trump were in wow. town, like, right downtown opening something at the college. Um, so a lot of VIPs coming in and out here recently. Yeah. So as much as we're trying to avoid talking about Texas, you know, a lot's just been going on recently. It's coming to us, so we appreciate right. that. Yeah, shout um, out. <laughs> gives us content. From our flagship station. And I'm talking Dallas. about the Trump. I would rather not have any content as far as uh, the, the gun shootings and all of that. Well, it's interesting um, because you always think about his rallies kind of happening, even though they're in arenas, you kind of picture more parking lots around them, like rural areas. And the AAC here in Dallas is tucked into like a nice little area called victory park. Yep. And you know, it's, it's where the Dallas Mavericks, the Dallas stars play. Um, I think Elton John has recently been in concert yes. there. And now Trump is going yeah. to be there. And it's funny because I guess when you think about it, like Dallas Fort Worth is a very uh, red area, except that the the bubble in Fort Worth is probably less wide. But in Dallas, we are blue, blue, like yeah. all around for five miles on either side of, on every direction of us right now. It is blue. It is like Beto country. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're we're sitting here in the neighborhood of Dallas, essentially, and. So it, it's very blue. All the yard signs indicate that nobody would be going out to this Trump rally. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see the turnout and uh, what comes of it. I'm hoping that we don't have any uh, news to report next week as far as violence or anything like that goes. But hopefully he just comes in, says what he needs to say, and uh, that's that. Dude, I watched his rally in uh, Louisiana last week, and I'll give it to him on this. Like, Dude knows how to put on a show. Like I watched it and it was entertaining. Just he's in, he's in Louisiana. And so all of the uh, GOP members like Steve Scalise, John Kennedy, all of these guys, they're all in attendance. And so he just turns it into this crazy like concert. He's like, John Kennedy, here's a personal story. He kind of makes fun of him. And then he's like, he's such a, a great guy, like bring him up. And then these guys would come up and they would talk. And then he had all these like standout guests there. And then he was like, you know, the Japanese have been winning the little league world <laughs> series for so long. And the boys from Louisiana won it this year. And yeah. he has the entire team there in their uniforms and they all do a team huddle and oh, chant. Wow. And I mean, he knows how to work the camera, man. Yeah. I <laughs> but mean, that, that's who he is. His rhetoric at the same time was straight unhinged. He, he was saying Nancy Pelosi hates the United States oh of America. I was like, how can you even say right. that? Like, it just yeah. seems ridiculous. Yeah. Anytime he opens his mouth, I just, uh, my heart sweats. I'm just so worried about what he's about to say next because it could literally go anywhere. Yeah. They had the, the democratic debate last night. I guess that's a good segue into this. And we had, it was the largest one ever. Okay. Um, Anderson comes out on CNN and goes, I think it's the lar the largest gathering of Democratic candidates in the history of the world. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sure they're all going to be showing out this year. That's for sure. So, uh, Bernie, 
Bernie was there. Okay. So I didn't catch any of the b- debate other than the final question, which I saw trending on Twitter this morning when I woke up. So you're going to have to update me on this. Yeah, I didn't actually see the final question, but uh, Bernie was present okay. despite, you know, the recent heart attack. Oh, our boy's good. Yeah. Happy to hear it. The crazy thing, somebody said it best that we question Bernie's mental faculties less than we do well, Biden's. Yeah. Although Biden had a decent performance. he Biden decided to yell and be patriotic. Like, was like right. we're not going to stand for it. You know, yeah. sometimes when you just yell, like it just gets the people going. You could yell anything. So it, it, it's an it's a bold. It's a, what is it? What do they say in dodgeball? It's a bold uh, strategy, Cotton. We'll see how it pans out. Well, I mean, he's he's still the front runner. And the interesting thing, I guess, just to briefly catch you up, like what the talking heads were saying was that despite poll numbers based on attacks, you know, there was certain people that had not qualified for the next debate yet okay. who they needed to tear down the, the front runners and, you know, accrue some of those points for their campaign to be present on the November stage. And we all know who those people were, um, but they all targeted Elizabeth Warren. Mm. Um, so low key, I think the undercurrents we've all been feeling like Elizabeth was probably the front runner, right. um, her inability to answer the question of whether or not taxes will go up on the middle class to do her healthcare plan, which is Medicare for all is at this point condescending. Like even the other democratic candidates are like, just answer the question, like yeah. let Americans have the choice. And if you've been under a rock or if you, if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about because you missed the debate essentially medicare for all is uh you know the the plan that bernie wrote that elizabeth you know wants to see enacted which is where everybody in america gets health care and your co-pays your deductibles all of that just goes away basically the government just pays for health care and in return uh you know they're going to increase taxes on the middle class they're on everybody virtually but the heaviest burden by the wealthiest individuals and corporations. And then um, there would be modest hikes on the middle class, but they keep saying that if you're already paying $5,000 a year in taxes, and then you're paying $5,000 a year in insurance, and then you're paying $5,000 a year in out of pocket for deductible, for, um, you know, meet and co-pays, you know, different things like things out of coverage, and you're in the hole for $15,000, and we're going to make your overall tax bill $13,000 instead of $5,000, your overall cost will still go down by $2,000 and there'll be less paperwork. Um, Obviously, the thing about Medicare for All is that it's going to eliminate private insurance. And so Mayor Pete Buttigieg has, uh, he's among several that have the much more reasonable plan in my mind, which is Medicare for All Who Want It, which is essentially just uh, Obamacare, you know, building on Obamacare and making a really viable public option that people can buy into and that covers people who can't purchase it, um, who can't afford it. And so they, you know, Bernie has come out and said, yes, the taxes will go up for the middle class. However, they understand that their overall cost burden will go down. Yeah. And meanwhile, they keep asking Elizabeth yes or no, and she won't answer the yeah, question. She keeps dodging it. And it, you know, last night, last night's breakout winner for me was uh, Amy Klobuchar from Minnesota. Why is that? Uh, because she, first of all, I've I've always been um, partial towards her. I think that her ability to walk, work across the aisle, be reasonable, um, be progressive, um, represent the country well. I think all of that. Uh, she's just a model citizen. I really okay. like her. 
Uh, she's, you know, a, a blue person from a red state. Um, well, it used to be red anyway. Um, but she showed me a lot of uh, courage in the way that she worked across the aisle for a compromise during the Kavanaugh hearings. Um, you know, working with them to get further review on his application. Um, obviously, that went the way that it did. But she did what she did to work across the aisle and, you know, do the, the reasonable things in those moments. And she was on Bill Maher last week and he was saying, you know, we need a centrist candidate. We need we need a Joe Biden. And he said, we need a younger Joe Biden and we need a female or <laughs> Joe Biden. And uh, she's that candidate. And I tweeted last night that I, I thought that she'd gotten her mojo from that episode on, on real time last Friday because she came out and was just. She was forceful. She was impactful. Yeah. Uh, she went after Elizabeth on several different uh, occasions, mainly like, you know, it's condescending that you don't answer this question ever. Right. Like, you know, let Americans make a choice. Um, but she and Pete, Pete seemed to keep focusing on the fact that, and I hadn't thought about this, but he said one way or another, the Trump presidency will end. And he said, on that day, this country will be even more divided and broken than it is today because wow. you know he said no matter how you you skin it we will be more fragmented once he is voted out of office or once the term ends and we you know do our whiplash effort back yeah. to the other side of things and i thought that was interesting like he's gold to me i like him a lot yeah i think he's just he's an order and he really dug down deep with the uh, midwestern roots last night like he definitely was trying to come across as somebody that could win in a purple state. And I mean, his fundraising is awesome. I mean, I think he's number four oh, wow. out of uh, however many candidates, a uh, little Julian Castro from Texas um, who I like and I want to like, like mm -hmm. I think he's too much of a badass for his own good. Um, you think so? Yeah. I think he's, I think he's too much of a young, able-bodied, suave man to also have the attitude that he does. Uh, like, he's got a tongue on him. When he went after Biden the last time and said, are you already forgetting, you know, you <laughs> old <laughs> you old uh, yeah. person? He, he really got dinged on that because he came out on the stage this time and was in dead last place. And just comes, he kind of comes across as like, like a snarky dude. Arrogant. Yeah, like smart kid. Like, yeah. And, and for those reasons, out. I like him, yeah. but he's not identifying. He was just present last night. Like him, Beto, uh, you know, Beto has. You think he was told to kind of rein it back in? Or do you think that was just of his own accord? I mean, if he was observant, he would know to rein it back in because the minute he got off that stage, everybody was like, why'd you do that? <laughs> like all the yeah. all the talking heads on the left were like, you know, and I wish that for once. They when they say like, did you say that because you know it appears like he might be getting more frail? He'd be like, yes, it's exactly why. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just, just straight to the point. You know, they they range in age from thirty seven to seventy eight, and wow. Bernie's the oldest. Had just had the heart attack. Also has the most amount of cash on hand. Uh, which is hilarious. Like the, yes. the socialist has the most amount of cash in the coffers. Yeah. There's something to be said about that. Um, but things are about to heat up for him because he's got the squad on board, baby. What do you mean? You know who the squad is? Who's the squad? AOC. Uh, ah. 
who are the Ilan Omar, um, Rashida Talib or whatever her name is. I can't remember, but all those, the four most progressive members of the house that got voted in. Yeah. Um, AOC and them are set to endorse him at his next big rally. Well, good for them. He has, you know, I'm just happy he has less to worry about and, you know, so we don't have to worry about his, his, uh, health conditions. You know, he can maybe be a little bit more at ease. Yeah. They were saying that he probably felt better last night than he did two or three weeks prior. And just cause if he had any blockage, you know, he's probably uh, breathing easier now. <laughs> good for him. But he, he took the opportunity to thank everybody who had, you know, been there for him. And I, I got to say, he is up and down a class act. Like, say what you will. I, I don't appreciate yeah, you, all the Bernie hate sometimes. Yeah, I mean, you might disagree with some of the things that he's doing, like, especially like if you're against socialism and everything. Um, but I, I definitely agree with what you said as far as being a class act and just the way that uh, he presents himself. I actually think that he may be the only person that could potentially beat Trump. Really? Yeah, I think he could have for sure the last time because there were uh, the, in 2016 well, there yeah, were a lot of the, people waffling between the two. The Democrats, uh, they they could have went with anyone. I mean, we talked about this episode one, but they could have went with anyone besides Hillary, and probably it would have been a cakewalk. Well, Bernie was the genuine emotional, uh, you know, real campaign yeah. the, the last go round. I think that. Maybe this heart attack will actually do him good because heart attack, great debate performance. Uh, you know, he's sticking true to his values, doing all of this, coming across as gracious. Um, I mean, if that's not the American way. And then the squad endorses him. And we'll see what kind of boost that actually has because if we're just going based off of Twitter, I think AOC is like one of the biggest oh, new sure. congressional heartthrobs ever. Yeah. Um, but how? what percentage of the democratic party does she actually represent yeah i'm not sure we'll have to see it'll be interesting i don't know if they'll i don't know if there will still be as many flip-flop voters in 2020 where people that voted for trump last time would actually go for bernie i could definitely see that happening but who else in your mind could beat trump from that side i, I think mayor pete maybe could yeah, I mean, it's it's looking it's looking like it, but like you said, I I, I believe Bernie would be the strongest candidate. And um, remind me who you said your your top pick would be. My top pick on the Democrat side. Yeah. Um. You know, I'm partial to Mayor Pete. I like. I would vote for Amy Klobuchar. Yeah, um, yeah. You don't think she has a strong chance, though. You know, I maybe I shouldn't say that because. Um, she has a slow burn effect, especially I think on, I feel like I'm just labeling myself as so sexist here, but a lot of men, let's be honest here. Like what was Hillary's problem? She's shrill. She yeah. wrote in on her husband's coattails. There were so many, like all the traditional ammo that you could give a sexist or just a man that is just a man. Yeah. It was used. Was it was given. It was amply given and used. Um, the thing with Amy Klobuchar is that, She's got this kind of softer, more forceful uh, voice. She's right. well measured and thought out. She's convicted. And I can tell that she knows how to get what she needs done with men, too. Yep. Like, she she is a translator among the sex. I've seen it in, I've seen it in, in practice. She's a translator not only among uh, genders, but across the aisle. Okay. And I think that 
every other person's tactic when it comes to debating Trump in the general election might be like Biden. We just know he's going to yell, and be like, right. you know? Yeah. And, and she, uh, it's important to note, has not had any uh, email scandals. So no. she's in the clear there. No, and she presents things in a way that is not, she's not total emotional appeal. You remember Kristen Gillibrand? Of course you don't. She was <laughs> yeah, one like, of the first I? women to fall out of yeah. the, uh, she looked like a vampire or something. <laughs> um, should not have said that. But <laughs> she, uh, she just looked ice cold and she was shrill and we're going to do it. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it, nobody cared. She was pulling right. at 0%. She was gone before the second debate. Whereas who's, who's left? You got Elizabeth Warren, who's passionate and on fire. You got Tulsi, who I'm passionate and on fire for, <laughs> and nobody else is. Right. And then you've got uh, Amy Klobuchar, who is the, the way that she was uh, making her case last night was, hey, every election I've ever been in, I've won. I've got a track record of winning. I can win in a purple and a blue state. I can work across the aisle. Yeah. I've got these centrist views that are going to be progressive and move the country forward and unite them. And I'm well equipped to do the job. Like she's beaten all of her skeletons out of their closet. Like she, she's like a, as a person that's well versed with alcoholism, uh, because I had a father, you know, who drank all day, every day, all growing up and who went through multiple DUIs and through the grace of God is with us here today. Yeah. Like she's very, um, she, she just, she beats the bad news to the punch and says that she's, uh, the movie eight mile, you know? Yeah, Eminem in that last rap battle says everything that uh, says everything that any rapper could have used against him, and he raps it before they get the chance to, and ends up winning. You know, so it uh, it would appear that she's using that strategy. Hopefully, it works out. She's condensed her whole. My my father showed up to this shore with eighty cents in his underwear. Like I, I can name all of the like Ted. That's Ted Cruz. He worked in a kitchen. He had twenty five cents in his boxers. Great, Ted. You know, Elizabeth Warren is, you know, I grew up in Oklahoma and school was $50 a semester and I, I got to go do that. And I wanted to be a school teacher. Mm. And they go through this story every time. She's real quick, like, hey, alcoholic dad, <laughs> born in the sticks, <laughs> had to yeah. claw my way out. I'm a, a fighter and a, a go-getter and, you know, clean track record. I like that. Here's a link to my C-SPAN appearances. <laughs> So yeah, well, what did you see about the uh, the Ellen question? Oh, the final question uh, they asked um, each candidate. Uh, okay, so we talked about on the previous episode where Ellen DeGeneres was seen laughing with George W. Bush, and that uh, story caught... just died. By the way, yeah, it, 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 it went for like eight days. Yeah, it went on forever, and so she caught a lot of backlash for that. Um, and so what, the final question was asking the candidates: Are there any uh, friends of yours that we might uh, be shocked to learn about. Now, I didn't have the opportunity to read any of the responses, but I do know that everybody was really furious that um, they would even be asked that question whenever there was a lot of other topics that had not been uh, asked yet. No, I think that's a that's a great question. I mean, that's a barometer for so many other areas of your personality, the way that you would govern what you would see as pertinent to the conversation or the public discourse, like a hundred percent. Um, I, did anybody, did anybody have a real example that shocked anybody? Um, so I didn't see 
any answer that would indicate that. Uh, I'll have to I'll have to look later. It, you know what I, I, I learned? You know, I check my Twitter as soon as I wake up, and that was the that was the main headline. But uh, you know who I learned had a special little friend that I was not aware of who was on the candidate stage last night. Who's that? Mr. Cory Booker. Ah, and who was his friend? Uh, his girlfriend. Do you know who his girlfriend is? No. Rosario Dawson. <laughs> oh, well, I was like, what yeah. the what? <laughs> I, I would have never, I would have never guessed that. I was like, Interesting. <laughs> I've heard nothing but gay rumors about him for yeah. years, but Rosario. So, uh, Andrew Yang, shout out Yang gang. Um, he was, uh, he posted on Twitter after last night's debate and was like, ran into my friends, Cory Booker and Rosario Dawson. And I had seen them on like a, uh, a people also searched type situation. Um, but I didn't know it was because that was his real girlfriend. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea. So I don't know why she's, have you seen her? I, I don't follow her on anything, but I don't either. I got to think that. You got to think he'd be pulling better with Rosario Dawson yeah, at his I mean, side. Yeah, she's loved by many, I'm sure. Well, and she's, uh, you know how like Ashley Judd and all those uh, actresses and um, uh, leaders, you know, got together after Kavanaugh and all of that went down and yeah. Trump got elected, all the Me Too um, figureheads. I, I think that she was kind of in that group. Well, yeah, she may have been. She had them wearing those special hats. <laughs> And moving on. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> Any other current events that you can recall from the week? Oh, man, that's... I know I have a bunch of politics, and but it was a bunch of shootings and politics this week. We need to not do that. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll have uh, some other topics next week. Um, I'm a little drained from talking about the, these, uh, these issues. Well, Halloween is coming up. Halloween is coming up. I'm going to a... Uh, pumpkin patch festival this weekend and going to be doing some carving pump uh pumpkin carvings and uh checking out some halloween decorations gonna be doing some carving pumpkins yeah that's right and get old little hayride um little maybe a little hayride and then they're also showing uh a nightmare before christmas so Dang. should be fun good clean fun buddy yeah and you remember hayrides when you were 15 next to that girl you liked oh yeah Man. Yeah, getting that handhold <laughs> for the for thirty seconds until you get booted off. Those uh, are the days. Those were the days. And then My I turned goodness. sixteen and got a truck and had to pull the yeah. hay ride every year. Yeah, I, that we've. I also had to do that with a few of my friends. We used to go through the neighborhood haunted house, and then we became in charge of it, and it was a lot less fun. <laughs> Did you get to scare people though? uh yeah okay we did get to do that okay, that sounds yeah, great yeah, yeah. Yeah. for the <laughs> yeah, first no, time you win you win for the first time but not if you're doing it for the 70th time in a row right, yeah. uh do you have a, an outfit picked out or is this not or do you just wear your best plaid <laughs> yeah you know figured my uh general like lumber is this a look. fall festival or a halloween party <laughs> it's a halloween fest according, oh, interesting. according to the instagram page interesting i feel like a outfit option it's like Find yourself a nice sailor hat and be done with it. Yeah, I don't know if it's like a costume type of thing, but you know, I probably will, like you said, in the plaid and, and pants. So, so if it is, if it turns out to be, you know, costume optional, I can just say I'm a lumberjack or something. You know, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Hey, go check out Humble Brad on Twitter and Instagram because <laughs> right, baby. he looks like a lumberjack more days than Halloween. Mm. That, that's a compliment. 
Yeah, it, it's not a costume. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> well, the next time that we're getting together will be in a week, October 20th, 24. Yeah, that's right, buddy. So the week before Halloween. So we'll definitely have to keep each other apprised of uh, costume options. But what do you say? Should we get out of here? Yeah, let's call it a day. Um, How can I'll, people find you? Uh, Instagram, Brad Colvin, C-O-L-V-I-N. And on Twitter, Humble Brad, that's B-R-V-D. And I'm on Instagram at Carson Gibbons, Twitter at Carson C. Gibbons. As always, you can find the show at weeklycatchuppodcast.com. Search for us in YouTube, Apple iTunes, uh, Podcast, Stitcher, all the different social media. We'll be announcing this episode, so we would appreciate all of your retweets, all of your shared support, and uh, as always, your feedback, and really appreciate you listening. Yeah, we, uh, we appreciate you tuning in, and uh, once again, share it with family and friends. Uh, this is just something that we're both really passionate about, and we're so thankful uh, that you gave us a listen. I uh, can't wait to let you guys know next week how that festival goes, and we'll talk with you then. Thanks for another good weekly catch-up, man. All right, buddy. Signing off for October 16th, 2019. See you in episode four.